Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. And Kate. And Megan. And Jaden. That's so good to have everybody back. How's everybody doing today? Wonderful. Good. I'm Pretty great. good. Yeah. So we are, we're in our third week in our Tove series where we are with that word Tove in Hebrew means good. That's often how it's translated, but it means so much more than that. It means that things are as they should be. Um, when we do things the way God intended us, that's Tove. It's good. Uh, when we do community, that's Tove. Uh, when we're kind, compassionate, gracious, all those things, that's Tove. And we've been going into this series talking about our new kind of refocus for the church. And if you want to call it our tagline, whatever, but it's three simple words, belong, believe, become. Now, last week we talked about the importance of belonging and how uh, part of the church is you don't have to believe to belong. And what that really is talking about is that we want people, everybody to feel like they have a place here, even if they're not a Christian, even if they're seeking or don't have answers yet, or if they're not even sure about this Jesus thing, uh, that they don't have to be a Christian to be a part of Zion. Now, we ultimately believe, though, that when somebody becomes a Christian, they belong to Christ, and now they're part of a family, the family of God, and that's different. Um, we did the Lego illustration two weeks ago. What did you guys think of that? Did you guys hear any responses or, or thoughts from other people on that? I loved seeing on Facebook um, one of the moms that attends regularly. Jesslyn Voggy. Yes. Yeah, that, was great. that she had like a little God wink and she found and she looked at this Lego and saw God in it. And I was like, yeah. yeah. That's when, you know, an illustration lands. Yeah. I had uh, I had one one person come with me. He goes, and it's so it kind of caught me as odd when he said it. Mm. <laughs> and he goes, Jason, that Lego thing just wrecked me. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, no, I just never it never made sense to me. Like, I need people. I need relationships. I'm. He's like, it just it wrecked me. It changed everything for me. I was like, praise God. But I <laughs> like I was just thinking, oh, here's a cute illustration. But I think it speaks to there is something inside of us for belonging. Now, Jaden, now this is Jaden. This is your first time on the podcast. Hi. And tell us every tell everybody what you do at Zion. What's your role? Okay. I'm just a ministry intern. Not, Not just. just. Okay. I'm a ministry intern. And I help out and do things. And right now I'm working primarily with Kate. And it's been awesome. Yeah, and kids stuff. So he gets to do a lot of really good goofy weird things. Last weekend he dressed up as Flynn Rider. And that was pretty great. You were you were Captain Hook. I was gone actually, but thankfully Captain oh. Hook filled in for <laughs> Miss Kate. And we had a family. He had a killer mustache. Okay, who was it that that played Tangle? The what's her name from Tangle? Oh, so that was Libby, and mm-hmm. she is a lovely high school student. She was carrying that frying pan around, yes. and it was so she, awesome. Uh, she did get a frying pan. Yeah, she, she literally we ran tried. barefoot from the dock lobby all the way across our huge building to the hub kitchen. And got it. It got a frying pan to carry it around. And it, it was totally, heavy. it made the, it made the moment. It, was it cute. made the, and then uh, our friend Scott and Sarah Lester were uh, Jasmine, though he looked more like a poo than he did a lad. <laughs> it was because he was like, he's a built older man. So this, not older. Oh my goodness, that sounds. Okay. Scott I mean, you know Lester, I mean? if you're listening to this, you just got called a built older man. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, Scott. It was that that costume that we have on hand for Aladdin was for a much smaller man. Um, so he did not fit in it, and so he only, he barely got the the hat and the vest to fit. Which is why, quite frankly, you didn't have me dress up because. Yeah, it's because you're stacked. That's why. Yeah, it that's been the, it could have been the genie. It could have been the genie. Yeah, <laughs> just paint me blue. <laughs> Poof, what do you need? What do you need? <laughs> Did you rub my lamp? <laughs> have you heard? Okay, this is totally sidetracked, but have you heard one of the theories that Aladdin is actually based in a dystopian Yes, future? I love that theory because, because he makes so many references. To pop culture, they're like, no, this is thousands of years in the future and the world has been torn up. Yes. Like, that's brilliant. No one cares about that. All the Disney adults in the world that are listening right Right now, are like fan. They're they're yeah. geeking out. They're okay. geeking out. Have you ever had that random moment where e- ringing just starts popping in your ears? I just had that tinnitus. Yes, I know. I had that. It just happened. Like that's, all of a sudden, I hear a boop. See, beep. that's Disney corporate trying to beam into your brain because you guys have just figured this out. So many copyright like, infringements. Also, <laughs> <laughs> don't see what's. Uh, it's, you're actually losing that tone. Oh, so now you can no longer hear that tone. Well, there are a lot of tones I miss because my ears yeah, ring a lot. Well, because you're getting older. Jaden's mouthing like he's <laughs> saying words and I just can't see him. Well, so the, the thing about belonging, and this actually goes into our next value, which is belief, is when we look at the person of Jesus, we see so often that belonging, I think often we think of belonging means you're part of the tribe. It means mm-hmm. you're in the family. But belonging comes in different stages. And we see multiple encounters with Jesus, with people, that he ultimately came on a mission to seek and to save the lost. And I, and I talked about this on Sunday, is we know that Jesus didn't just come to make people feel like they belong. Yeah. But he made them feel like they belong so that he could help them believe. Yeah. And then next week, we're going to be talking about becoming. Yeah. And that there was this progression that I think we see in Scripture and the examples that we talked about were uh, in Luke 19, Zacchaeus. Yeah. And Zacchaeus was not wanted by anyone. He belonged nowhere because everybody saw him as a thief. He was a Roman tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector for the Roman government. So he betrayed his own people. Right. And um, you may not, people may not always realize this, but the way tax collectors were allowed to make their money is the Roman Empire demanded a certain amount of tax. And if you as a tax collector, you could charge anything you wanted above that to make your living. Yeah. So often if the Roman government said, we want 10%, he'd collect 30%. And so he was stealing from his very own people. So he was hated. And we have that story where Jesus sees him up in the tree because Zacchaeus was a wee little man, was he? (laughs) (laughs) And Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus looks up to Zacchaeus, which is interesting because I don't think we ever see a story where Jesus ever looks up at anybody other than God, except for this man who's not wanted by anyone. Mm. And he goes and do, he he says, Zacchaeus, I want to do dinner with you. And the idea there is that by Jesus saying, I want to do dinner with you, he's saying he actually approves of Zacchaeus. Right. When you think about our culture today, who are kind of the people that, whether Christian or not, but that people that we put on the outskirts, that that we go, they don't have a place at the table. Like if they were to walk in or wanted to be in our people group, we might kind of push them aside. What do you guys think about? I immediately think of homeless people. Yeah. I think it's one thing to give them food on the street, but have I ever invited them into my home for a meal? Nope. Right. Well, how about ask, can I go to your house? Yeah. Which in that house sure. might be a box. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things, so we just had the revival and Joe Bieber, has, he's done some ministry at the homeless camp for several months now. And as someone who grew up in California, I was surrounded by homelessness. Mm-hmm. And homeless people do have homes. They're just not brick and mortar. They're not made of wood. They're shopping carts. They're tents. Sometimes it's underneath a bridge. And here Jesus says, let me come into your house. Mm-hmm. 
And if a homeless person ever asked, hey, do you want to have dinner with me? I'd much less even say, hey, can I have dinner with you? Mm. Uh, so homeless, who else? Who else comes to mind? Um, and to talk, I'm, I'm going to answer that as well. But I also want to point out, like when we were talking about the belong, believe, become, that you have, it's not that you, Jesus only came to make you belong. It's the first step. And I think that's a really beautiful way to also reassure people that faith is a process. Yeah, that that's even great. Jesus knew this was a process. I'm going to make you feel like you belong so you can believe and then become as well. And it's like, we're all in process. So I just wanted to say That's that when we were wonderful. talking about I that. that. I love that. But when I think, I absolutely agree with like homelessness and like Skid Row, LA, there are so many good documentary, documentaries on it that if you've lived in small town Iowa your whole life, you cannot even fathom no. the kind of depravity that's there. But I also think of sometimes we forget like this is a tourist town that there's a lot of service industry here and sometimes we don't always see the people that are doing that and we see it right now in our culture all across the nation there is a um staffing shortage that you can't even go to certain restaurants they're not open inside their hours are different because that that service industry has kind of fallen away after COVID. And there's all yeah. these theories of why, but it's, I've worked service industry. Some people don't even like, they look through you. You are not wanted here, yeah. but you're needed to do this for my experience. It's a yeah. very interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. And I think of those, word. that was really good. Wow. He's our ministry intern. <laughs> yeah. Jaden James, everyone. <laughs> um, so I think of that, like that service industry, when you go to a fancy place, like, do you talk to the janitor the same way you talk to the CEO? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You would know? You, or would you even give more honor to the janitor right. or the CEO? Sure. You know, I think about actually, because I'm obviously not from Clear Lake, not from the Midwest. And I had the same encounter when I moved to Minnesota. And I remember um, I was mentoring this kid, had been it in Minnesota for probably a year and a half, two years at this time. And there's this thing with the Midwest, because so many people are born here, raised here. They've all known the same people. And people are really nice, but nice and friendly is not the same as welcoming and friend making. Yes. Yeah. And we all know that the, the one hand wave is yeah. friendly, or, but yeah. is it, you know. Well, in Minnesota, they call it Minnesota nice. And yeah. the joke is it's really Minnesota ice because you actually can't break in. Sure. And so I remember talking, I was, there was this youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at a church and I was talking with my friend and I, I asked this guy, I said, hey man, I'd really love to, you know, go out for lunch and get to know you some more because I'm, I'm used to being a transplant. Living in San Diego, most people are transplants. And uh, he made a comment to this kid who I was mentoring. He goes, you know, Jason seems like a really nice guy, but I have already have too many friends. Wow. And then his exact words were, I don't have time for him. Have you yeah. seen the cable guy? Yeah. Literally, that's what he says to Jim Carrey's and character. He doesn't say it's this so to mean. me. Here's the, here's the crazy part. He doesn't say it to me. He says it, he says it to the student that I've been mentoring that goes to his church. He's not mentoring this kid. I am. I'm discipling one of his kids. And my friend, he's, he's now a, a, an Anglican priest. He was so mad. Mm. And he goes, I kind of, he was, I remember him telling me about it. He's like, I kind of hope he moves somewhere he does, where he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. And I'll be honest, moving here to Clear Lake, that was actually one of the hardest things here is breaking into the friend group here is really tough. Yeah. And it's not that people aren't nice. Everybody's no. nice. I think we get not selfish, but almost like stingy with our resource yes. of emotional capacity, of relational capacity that we're like, no, my inner circle has to stay, especially in ministry. No, my inner circle is small. I can't, I don't have that much capacity to really let you in. 
And and there's some wisdom in that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, because we like that's why I like the Lego pieces as an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved that you said that that some people's Lego pieces are the huge green grass screens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And some are just the like six piece. <laughs> And, yeah. and the like problem is, regardless if you're a six-piece or a two-piece or a 500-piece mm-hmm. availability, when somebody comes in new, they have no piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They it's have, how you the, treat them. It's how you treat them. And, and that's one of the things that Jesus does is he goes to people who feel like they don't belong and says, no, you belong with me. Does that mean Jesus was best friends with them? He was the world's largest Lego. He was the world's largest Lego. And yet he only had three best friends. That we Whoa. see in scripture consistently. Actually, you could argue six and then one of them died and he brought him back Jesus from the dead. Is my best friend. I don't I don't know if this aids the illustration, but in regards to whose piece connects with whose, no matter what, if we're building a Lego house, we're all in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so my piece doesn't have to be connected to Megan's, mm-hmm. but because we're all placed into one this body. and she has a piece that connects to one of my pieces in this and we are one body yeah. right and it's so, like the six degrees of lego pieces that's right six <laughs> degrees of the big gray piece yeah <laughs> well and, and i think here's why i bring this up is it's not to say that we have to be best friends with everybody mm-hmm. but you have so many people who are longing for connection to belong because it's a human thing and when you already feel like you belong you don't think about it and that's why i think there is something like going going uh, on a mission trip, going someplace where you don't know anybody, or when you move somewhere, it is the most awkward feeling to go. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Yeah. the The last place a person should never feel like they belong is the church. Yeah. And because, and this is where we're getting to, is this week is believing. Because ultimately, like, let, let's be clear, we have a mission. Our mission is we want people to know Jesus. We yeah. want people to fall in love with the person of Jesus. But what if our lack of inviting people and making them feel welcome becomes the obstacle to their belief? Yeah. Because what if we are the connection? What if if we're that first piece that connects people to the love of God is their encounter with us? And if we go, sorry, I don't have space for you. And and I'll say that the challenge of being in a larger church, we're by, by far not the largest church, but we're also not a small church. And I remember I got saved at First Baptist Church in El Cajon. And every Sunday after church, uh, this family, the Reese's, who uh, became like my spiritual family. Their son was one of my best friends. Every Sunday, hey, we're going out to dinner or we're going out to lunch afterwards. I was poor, didn't have money. I would just come and I'm like, well, I don't have any money. Well, we're paying. And every Sunday they took me out. And that's the one benefit of a smaller church. Is smaller churches, I actually think, do this belonging thing better. But for a kid who didn't know Jesus, when I became a Christian, part of the reason I became is that I, for the first time, I felt loved. I felt like I belonged. Even though there, and there's whole other stories about that, but I think that's, that's the challenge in the larger church context is we can't just, hey, everybody, we're going out to Burger King afterwards. (laughs) Well, yeah, it speaks to that digestibility, right? I mean, it's... You're just full of big words and juxtaposition, digestibility. (laughs) This is great. I love it. (laughs) Well, so it speaks to that, that that size of that Lego brick, if we're going to continue to use that illustration, right? A smaller church is on a smaller playing field. Like we, you brought out those big green tiles. Yeah. We're operating on a big green tile. Some churches are operating on a 12 by four. Yeah. You know, you're new here. I don't recognize you. (laughs) I, I can't tell you how many people are unknowingly connected to my brick. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have to be careful, like, as staff or, like, hospitality not to be like, oh, are you new here? Because we're like, no, I've been coming. Yeah. I've been coming, like, four months. Or the worst one. The worst one is I've been here for 40 years, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, that's one of the, when I was overseeing hospitality, that was one of my training things is you never say, are you new here? You say, how long have you been coming? Yeah. And I broke my own rule. And of course, the one person I asked it to, like, we've been here 30 years. Well, yeah. You just don't see us because we usually sit back there and then yeah. like, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> the worst is feeling like that Lego piece that's like a door or that doesn't fit, oh, honestly, any piece sure. but a couple. Yeah. Like, that's you don't want people to feel like that yeah. they just don't fit in or don't belong. Yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking about like um two girls in small group last night had the best friends bracelets, like the one half like a broken heart, one Classic. half was one and you know, together they make a full heart. Oh, is this for Z kids? Friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um it was just that thought of like, oh, but the rest of the girls are sitting around this circle like sad because they're not best friends yeah. with these girls and how often we make people feel like that of we're all best friends oh but you're a door and don't fit yeah. yeah and that's and this is where when we come into belief and this is i know we've spent a whole lot of time because we just talked about this two weeks ago but there's a connection right? yeah there's a connection they between overlap belonging they really and believing and i think what we see in jesus is jesus does such a good job of every person he encounters he, he basically is, even to the Pharisee, even the Pharisee who doesn't like Jesus, Jesus only gets hostile when he's trying to correct things because he's like, you're getting in the way. But if at, we actually have Pharisees that want to talk with Jesus and Jesus is like, let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does it because he's opening that door for belief. And, and that belonging is that first step. Yeah. It's, uh, there's that old adage is that sometimes I can't hear the, the good news of the gospel over the rumbling of my stomach. If yeah. our base needs are not yeah. met, we can't hear the good news. And if I don't feel loved and connected, the good news isn't going to connect to me. Yeah. Um, so when we look at this idea of believing, and, and I think this would be a fun thing just to kind of, I'd love to hear, what was your first encounter with belief? Now, like mm-hmm. Megan, I think you were raised in the church, mm-hmm. but was there a moment when faith became real for you? And, and what part did being in church or being in a community affect that? I mean, how about for you, Kate? How about for you, Jaden? How um I was going to say about for you, Jason, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I think it's just an, uh, the, I don't know, the word belief, when I think about it, usually comes from an experience or an encounter of some sort. You don't, you rarely just believe out of nothing. That's, yeah. that's hard to find. So I think my belief just came with a number of things piling on top of one another, um, of seeing evidence of Jesus in my own life. Yeah. and. All of those together, honestly, when that moment occurred, no clue. But it was just that moment of like, this makes sense. Why would I not believe? I can reflect back on all of the good things that he's done and yeah. the evidence that he's poured into me or the conversations we've had and just seen fruit from it. And so that's why I believe. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a one moment thing for me. How has community helped that belief? It's been huge Uh, since I was little. One being in Sunday school, yeah, that's great and fine, but it was actually being a part of a family small group that I think modeled it for me of Mm. seeing adults believe, but the importance that they placed on that belief and instilled into us kids, but also then being with other kids that were kind of being raised in, in the Christian faith, but our parents would challenge us or we'd see them, and it was kind of that accountability. 
So actually being a part of a family small group is what helped foster that belief. Yeah. That's awesome. I love to hear that. If that's not a shout out to get connected, that mm-hmm. Sunday morning is good. It is Tove. Come. Yeah. But if you it's really go deep, it's the in-between. If you want to go deeper, get connected. There's so many fun small groups out there. There's ones for families. Bring your kids to your small group yeah. and let them get to know other kids. I think that's so cool. Way to go. I love that. Um, mine, I was not raised in the church. And I actually... Um, had a horrible experience with church as a child. My testimony was um, hard. I had, um, you know, I wasn't safe in the church as a child. And then when my son wanted to come to church, and I remember calling the office, and Carol Berg was in the office, and I said, hey, my son wants to join your kids' program. Um, How do you become a Christian? And Carol was just like, oh, oh my, oh, okay. Wow. It was like fish in a barrel. Uh, yeah. you know? It was like, um, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> and then I met with a pastor. Um, I started serving and I, I hit the ground running. But I still, I think that that initially, I felt like I believed. I felt like I had faith. And I felt like I had this God-shaped hole and I was finally filling it with the right things. Yeah. That's what I felt like. But then I realized that I was doing a lot of good things for the wrong reasons, Mm. but I didn't even know it. You know, like it was so surface level at first where it was, it wasn't until I was able to go deeper in community where I was able to go deeper myself, spending time and understanding and getting to know my word and doing things outside of a Sunday morning. Sunday morning was so good and formative for me. Absolutely. Serving was so good and formative for my belief. Absolutely. But I agree, it's the outside in-between things that was like, no, my experience with God mm-hmm. is a daily thing. And it completely flipped my understanding upside down, where I used to believe as a child that church was not safe. And now my main job <laughs> is to keep children safe in the church. And it's like, I think of that. We see that in the Bible. I was one way, and now I'm a completely different way. And what stands in between is Jesus Christ, my Savior. It's that, that encounter. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and much like you, and, and I can share a little bit, but my encounters with church prior to becoming a Christian were really bad. Huh. Uh, actually, I got beat up at a church. One of the first times I went to youth group, this kid who was a bully, youth pastor was gone. Yeah. And uh, he was on vacation and his leaders were watching. And this kid was probably a good foot taller than I am. And at that point, I was like four foot nothing just pounded on me and all the leaders stood around and cheered on and said fight and my friend's mom had to rescue me from this kid like that was one of my first encounters at church the 90s man it was yeah actually it was the 80s oh even worse i was i was 12 at the time and then when i i started going to youth group because i like this girl don kendrick and she invited me to youth group you're listening (laughs) i actually introduced her to her husband and now they're married and he's a pastor wow um but Legos. she invited me to our youth group and the girls in the youth group, because I was a really messed up kid, uninvited me to church. They said, they literally said, you don't belong here. Aww. And I was done with church. Oof. I mean, I was like, I wanted nothing to do with it. And then she wow. invited me back in that summer going into high school. And because I liked her, I was like, okay, I'll try it again. But I didn't want anything to do with church or Jesus. And the youth pastor, a guy named Tim Vincent, was the first person who made me feel like, no, I, I care about you. And I, I was messed up. I was a messed up kid. Yeah. And my the reason I came to faith was one because Dawn made me feel like she cared, not cared the way I wanted her to, but I felt she I felt like she cared. 
But then Tim, the youth pastor, was the first man in my life. I still remember him saying the words, I love you, and I didn't know what to do with those words. I'd never heard them before. Wow. And, but now I look, and obviously I gave Jesus got a hold of my heart, got a hold of my life, got a hold of every part of me. But the community part for me that has kept me engaged is there's been moments where I've wrestled, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, I've wrestled with doubt. Mm-hmm. I've had those moments where I'm like, I just don't know if I believe this. Even as a pastor, some people are like, oh, pastors never deal with it. Wow. You and know? they're the wor- under under so much warfare. I well, there's Statistically, I, the highest atheist popula- population in any church are the, the pastors. pastors. There's, and there's, I don't know the numbers on it, but there's been a lot of research that are a lot of pastors who stop feeling that they belong yeah. and it affects their belief. Yeah. And they, they're afraid to leave the ministry and they're afraid to be honest about their struggles. Yeah. And so they're literally either acting like atheists or are at least maybe agnostic, some atheists, but yeah. their job has become ministry, so they yeah. can't leave it. So they play the yeah. game. It's terrifying to look at the suicide and burnout statistics on pastors and those in ministry. Especially in the last 10 years. Absolutely. There's been several very well-known pastors who have committed suicide because they felt like their belief and belonging didn't match up. And they just felt hopeless and they couldn't talk to anybody because yeah. pastors or those in ministry are supposed to have their lives yeah. together. Newsflash, none of us do. And any pastor who tells yeah. you they do are, is lying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's, that's the part for me. Like I look at my community, even on staff, like one of the things that I'm grateful for our staff is part of the environment that we're creating is one of belonging, believing and becoming, even as a staff, that it's a safe place to be, to not be perfect. Yeah, I think when you were talking about youth group too, just as a testament to Pastor Derek's faithfulness for that youth program and kind of his mentorship that he's done for the kids down. Um, Don't let we, him hear this though. Oh, I know, Derek. I we're not best friends. Just kidding. Great. And <laughs> but he, when we talk about like the disciplining that we have to do for youth and kids, there are discipline. God disciplines us as well, and there's this grace based discipline that we use, but kicking a kid out telling them they can't come back is always the last resort yeah. and it is for safety it is for um after prayer and discernment and that it's never an alone decision to be like you don't belong it is always in love but it wasn't the youth pastor told me, it was the kids who told that's me that's hard that was that's the, hard and and here's the thing is that we have people if we're doing church right the people who are coming should be broken yeah, yeah. and that doesn't mean that and this is where one of the things i talked about in the message is one of the lies that's in our culture, and I want to hear your story, Jaden, but one of the lies in our culture is people will say, well, like, well God loves you just the way you are. Yeah. No, he loves you, but he loves you too much to keep you where you are. Right. Yeah. He wants you. There's so much more for you. That would not be a loving God. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you can come to him just as you are. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, he will meet you there. Yes. That's, he'll meet you just where you are. Yeah. I mean, I think about my further. children. Yeah. When my children were babies and they'd poop their diapers, I loved them for who they are. I loved them but I love them too much to keep them in it. Yeah. I don't just oh, wow. go, but I love you just the way you are. No, I love you, but no, I, you're, you're, you stank. You even, stank, girl. Even if you think you've arrived, even if you feel like I'm in a really good place with my faith, I'm, I'm walking on sunshine, got a pocket full of fruities. It's so great. You're such a kid's ministry I know. person. <laughs> I was full of fruities. I was last night. I had a, a, not to get off track again, but I had a fanny pack. pack full of Tutti Fruities. And I was like, I got a pocket, got a pocket full of fruities. <laughs> and kids were like not what? having it, but I was. But anyway. I feel like kids are, have to be way more cooler today than I ever was as a kid. They are, they are so are. cool. Yeah. I say we like I'm a kid. Yeah, so, you are a big kid. So how about you, Jaden? What what's been your experience with belief? So this has world? been really cool. 
to sit and in sequence listen to the stories that have been presented thus far because I have a little bit of everything that's been stated today, which I thought was very cool. So I was raised in the church. Uh, I left the church due to some very, very poor circumstances. I told myself that I don't belong anymore. Mm. And so my connection was not through a church thing. I got connected through a theater. Yep. Yeah. Right? And so I didn't want to do it. I had no idea it was connected to Zion in any capacity. But through the ministry that was being done, I'm not going to say subconsciously, but not forward. This wasn't forward ministry that was being done. I got connected to Zion. Yeah. Right? And I was taught that I do belong. and But I had to get over that. I had to get over myself. Yeah. Right? And then at that point, I just wasn't alone anymore because that's what that season was. Because yeah. when I was in the church, I felt very called. I, I mean, I was in third grade telling everyone I was going to be the next priest of St. Boniface. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I could actually see that. Ask my mom. <laughs> Ask my mom. You see, and then, the, you know, and so my belief, I had to believe that God did still want Jaden, but he didn't want that Jaden anymore. Right. And so, uh, the belief, I, I couldn't tell you a a moment because it was several healing moments. They're often not moments. Everybody thinks it's a moment. And it's still growing to, to say that my belief isn't still like growing like, let's be clear when we mean belief we mean belief in christ yeah. belief in your identity in right. jesus and belief in yes. salvation yes. through christ yeah. yes and and so and i think like we've stated that's going to progress until we're walking the golden streets right for every person that belief of, of yourself and becoming which we'll get into anyway <laughs> um but yeah and so it wasn't a singular moment and it's still happening yeah. And 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 it's happened through that community as well because I'm I am very thankful to be plugged into the places that I am and and uh to know that even the things I didn't think were ministering to me did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what we're going to find is is as we continue this there's a synergy there's a building of momentum that belonging leads to believing leads to becoming which leads to more belonging which means to more belief which means to more become and that's that sanctification process because the more I understand who God has called me to be, that I belong to a family. My identity yeah. is yeah. not in my sin or my past or even in my successes. My identity is found in him. The more I believe that, the more I become like Christ, which then fuels my belonging to the community. Where you and, go deeper and deeper, yeah. literally spir- drilling down. That's actually, it. I was just going to say, it's like a drill. Yeah. We're, we're, ooh, maybe that's the illustration I'm going to use next week. Um, but I, I like that. It's because it's, it is, the more we do it, the deeper we go yeah. into it. And the problem becomes, is when we halt part of the process in one of those. If all I want to do is belong, and I never want to believe. You're not going any deeper. And, and I'm, don't get me wrong. There are people who come to Zion who just want to belong. They have no desire to believe in yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm just glad you're here. And praise God that the house of the Lord can be a safe place where people can come and belong. Yeah. Yeah. Period. So just a little background. Uh, in the temple, if you look at the design of the temple, you had... Uh, the Holy of Holies, which only where God dwelled, and you had the area for the priests, and then you had the area for the Jews. And then on the outside of the temple was the temple of the courts of the Gentiles. Yep. And this is where, and then you had where women could dwell. But it progressively, the temple was designed that you had to be closer, the, the more 
ethnically pure you were, the more Jewish you were, the more role in in ministry connection with God, the closer you came to God. And then Jesus says, this whole thing is going to be torn down. Gives that prophecy, says one day it's going to be torn down. Not a brick will be standing on top of itself. And, And they think he's talking about the temple itself, which he was. But he's also referring to himself yeah. and saying no. And then this is the beautiful part. When Jesus is, is dying, the minute Jesus dies, it says the temple curtain, which separated God from man, is torn. And now this entire structure that existed in Judaism, a layered system of, of spirituality, who was in, who was out, yeah. who belonged, who didn't, was destroyed Yes, at the cross. And Paul talks about this in Galatians, which I'm super excited for our passport series in Galatians coming up after this series. It's going to be amazing. Um, But we think about it and then Paul talks about this. He says, no, we're now the temple of God and there's neither Jew nor nor Greek, slave nor free, Gentile nor free, or or slave nor free, male or female. Mm. And I think what this is all getting to is that we have these man-made structures that we set in place that defines how who can be close and who can't. And it's Jesus who brings us closer. Yeah. And the more that we understand this, the more that if I halt and just say, I just want to belong to a church. You know what? Even in the temple, there was a place for those who couldn't be Jewish. They were called God-fearing Gentiles. They, did, they couldn't go all the way to circumcision, which I don't blame them. <laughs> they, they, they believed in God. They liked the idea of God, but they weren't allowed to become Jewish until they were circumcised. There was still a place for them. But in Jesus, now it's about circumcision of the heart. Now it's not a ritual that separates you. It's in Jesus, we're now united. We're now unified. And baptism, which is why baptism is available for all, we actually, it's not just belief in Jesus. It's also a belief in all the things that Jesus promises and does. And I think we forget that, that we think it's just about, I believe in Jesus. But do you realize all the promises that Jesus gives? The covenants. The covenants. And Mm -hmm. even the belief in baptism. I believe that baptism is not just symbolic. There is a theology out there. And here's the deal. They all love Jesus. Yeah. The end of the day, the thing that's most important, Jesus, whether they're assemblies of God, Baptist, Reformed, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, non-denominational, if Jesus is at the center, that's what's the priority. One body. But there is one view that baptism is just symbolic. And the reason why I don't believe baptism is symbolic is that if that's the case, then it it really isn't that necessary. But if there's a promise attached to baptism that Jesus gives, now baptism unites us. We are the old dies with Christ in the water Mm. and is rose back into life with Christ. And now we're united with Christ through our baptism. There is something spiritual and supernatural that happens there. Absolutely. Um, when, you, when we talk about this, and, and I just referenced it, but the comment I made is so often we confuse um, belief and doubt as the opposite, that those are the juxtaposition, to quote Jaden. Hey. <laughs> um, what's, the, what's the difference for you between belief and doubt? And, and I said the opposite of belief is not doubt, it's unbelief. Is there a healthy role for doubt in the life of a Christian? Oh, I Absolutely. loved it when you said this. I really, I really loved it because I think often when I was brand new to faith, if I had doubts, I felt like I couldn't voice any of the things that I questioned right away. I felt like, oh, if I'm all in, I'm all in. I'm two feet head first, hit the ground running. I believe all of this now. I'm not really sure what any of it means, but I'm going to say, yes, I believe that to anything. And I didn't really stand on anything then, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until my second mission trip with Megan to Peru 
And I sat with Bethany Noriaga, as I say it wrong every time, Noriega. Noriega. Um, and we were in the mature women of this like high school group. We had like these, you know, early, late twenties, early thirties women in a, in a truck, just hammering on all these theological questions. And it was so formative for me. And I was asking, does God believe in aliens? And like all of these questions, like, what does it mean to actually submit? Why do we have to do that? And digging really deep and like all these things that my, you know, unchurched brain couldn't wrap my head around. I was like, why do I have to throw out all these thoughts and beliefs that I had and just blindly follow? And she's like, whoever said that? Like, no, (laughs) I don't think you're looking at this right. And we really dug in and asked the questions. And now that's something that I love to teach to kids is that God wants you to ask. And I think sometimes God can put an idea for me and an idea for you, Jason, and we can be disagreeing and we can talk about it. So that way, one, I understand what I actually believe, that I've looked into it and I see it. And that's why I love the revival as well. No, it's not the same way that I usually worship. No, it's my not the same belief or theology or thought process that I usually use when I encounter the Holy Spirit. Did it help me form a better understanding of what I do enjoy, of what I do believe? Did I have to look into things before? You're referring to the revival that we just, yes, the five-day revival. five-day revival that Joe Bieber was at, um, his ministry came in that uh, we talked about earlier. I love those things. And God wants us to question things because he doesn't want us to stop and question and go into that unbelief. He wants us to question and go deeper and get to know him more and see the character and see his word. And you have to do the work. He wants you to do the work. Doubt leads to work. When it's done well. When it's done well. The problem is too often we confuse doubt with deconstruction. And we think the goal is is Mm. to tear things down. To never rebuild and it. to never right. rebuild. And yeah. and yeah, how about you guys? What do you, how does... I, just thinking about, Absolutely. to piggyback off the revival, it's a shame when our doubt gets labeled as doubt. Yeah. Like, mm. it, like I, call, I called you out and now you feel shame because you doubted something. Yeah. Or, or you had a different experience or, or whatnot. Like, I think that's too prevalent in our culture today of you don't question anything. I wish Jennifer Colby was question. here because she's got lots yes. of things she's been, God's been working yes. on. Yeah. Like, it's almost like you're not allowed to question anymore. You have your opinion and you're solid in it and you fight yeah. to the death of anyone yeah. that questions you. Here's the hill I'm dying on. And that's yeah. not just in the church. That's, no, that's everywhere. Like everywhere in culture today. Like you, everyone has a, such a hard line on things anymore mm-hmm. that there's no room for questioning. And if you do question, yeah. you're the weirdo. Yeah. You know, I think of... Uh, or you don't belong anymore now. Yeah. That, that's that, that somehow you can lose culture. your oh, belonging absolutely. if you don't believe. But the opposite of belief is, is not doubt. That was it's absolutely going to be one of the barriers I brought up earlier when we were talking about like uh, the homeless and the belonging and that. I was going to say, the other thing I think for me is ideology. Some people don't want you to belong at the church because of that alone. Yeah. yeah. And so... When I think about, you know, we have that figure who is, he's labeled as Doubting Thomas. And I like yeah. to think of him as just as thinking reasonable Thomas. Yes, oh, yes we talk about point. him. 
every year in kids church he's not doubting he's not, that's not bad like no people don't rise from the grave like if you ask a, a child what you thought of the resurrection i guarantee almost every single one of them would be like i would want to touch those holes in your hands yeah right and and here's the thing thomas was just the one willing to actually admit it yeah um nt right and i know i talk much like i know Bob you yeah i do like nt nt right actually helped was very formative in helping me rethink a lot of my understanding of the gospel that's part of the reason why I like him so much. Um, but one of the things that, that I think is so critical is that we have to realize that the resurrection, people didn't rise from the dead. They had this idea of a metaphorical resurrection or that one day everyone yeah. would rise. Like Jews, the Pharisees believed in a resurrection, but it was a future day when God's kingdom was going to come and he was going to overthrow and the dead would be risen. They had no box. There was no box in their mind to go, oh, yeah, a dead guy who promised to be the Messiah was going to die and then come back three days later. That didn't exist. Yeah. And anybody who thought it did is lying to themselves. And sometimes that's why I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Peter was in such denial that he basically, like, he thought everything was done. Yeah. All the disciples, all the disciples were convinced Jesus was dead. No one expected Jesus to come back. And yet Thomas gets this bad rap for being the guy who, when they hear Jesus is back, he's like, eh, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so I, one thought, Peter, after he denies, even after the resurrection, I think part of Peter's doubt was also not just in Jesus, but that Jesus could forgive him. Yes. And where do we see Peter? Peter, before he followed Jesus, was a fisherman. And what do we see Jesus, him doing after he followed Jesus? He goes back to fishing. Yeah. And yeah. while it doesn't say this, I think the implication is, is Peter thought Jesus must be done with him. He doubted yes. Jesus' love, forgiveness, and the fact that he's a, he's a God of grace and redemption. Yes. I love that because we talk about that belonging first. Not only are you belonging to this community, the church, and you feel welcome here, but you belong to Christ. That changes your identity. When you become a Christian. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that overlap of belonging and becoming or belonging and believing and having the belief of who I am in Christ then. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and how about you, Jane? How does, how does doubt and faith, how does that, how does that work for you? Because you're you raised in the church, yeah. left for the church, and in some ways it's like God awakened something in you. And It's an, it's an integral part of my faith. Uh, I, I, I don't like to use the word doubt. I will choose the word unbelief. But I also believe God gave us critically thinking brains. God, God gifted that to us, and it asks questions. And it asks questions about things it can't see. It asks questions about concepts that aren't tangible. So that's what separates us from animals. Right. Animals yeah. don't ask concepts. Exactly. And so, uh, for me, I piggybacking Kate, it, you dive deeper. It makes me want to dive deeper. It makes me also, it makes me want to prepare to do ministry yeah. doubt because we encounter a lot of that. Yes. A lot. And nine times out of 10. And, and it, I also do it as a, almost as a defense against that as well. Can I, uh, know my own belief systems? I had a very difficult conversation a couple of weeks ago where I had to reaffirm that I did know what I believed and what I was talking about. Um, not as a form of winning in an, in an argument. It wasn't like that. It was it was to ensure that I was... Not just talking. Right. Sometimes those conversations are good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It really oh, tests absolutely. your faith. Uh, and so to, to think that doubt and unbelief are, aren't a part of the faith-building process is, I think, detrimental. And now, now that's not to say that there aren't people out there that don't experience it, and there are some beautiful, beautiful, faithful people. And that is awesome. 
and they do great things. And I'm not saying that they're missing something, but uh, I will. Uh, I'll say they're missing something. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, if you don't, if you don't have Christ, you are missing something. If you well, never question oh, your I meant, faith ever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I knew not faith in Christ. Oh, I, mean, I see. What yes. You're saying. Yeah. Well, but see, there are some people who have the gift, the gift of, of faith. faith. That's yeah. Like, that's what I, I mean. know people I know. who have a simple faith, and I don't mean simple like in dumb. Yes. Right. I mean like they're just like Jason. I just don't really it, care. I just it clicks believe. for me. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. died for me. He forgave me my sins. Absolutely. And, I'm on board. I think you can still have the gift of faith and still doubt. Oh, definitely. Yeah, right. for yes. sure. I think, I think, but there are so I know some individuals, doubts never been an issue for them. Mm. They just, they're like, no, it's just simple. I just believe. Mm-hmm. I guess and, that would be, that would be like, what do you consider a doubt? Like if you questioned, oh, I don't understand that. And I need, I need to look into the concept of that or the context of that's, that. I don't let's, think that's doubt. As I don't see that as much as, as, much as no, doubt. Yeah. yeah doubt, I think doubt for me, for instance. And I, I still wrestle with doubt. I was just telling Megan this yesterday. We were talking and and I've had a little I've had a little season of doubt. And it actually came after these revival meetings because there was a part of me went, what if none of this is real? Mm. Yeah. What if what if all of this is just because here's the thing, crazy thing about the human brain, Kate, you're as you love psychology Thank just you, like I, I do it. and the way the brain works. We actually there's evidences of other religions that have similar kind of Yes. Ecstatic experiences that lead to quote unquote healings. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what makes us different? And here's here's where I land on. And I actually talked about this, this evidence of faith and why I believe is what separates Christianity from all other religions. And and Jaden asked this question. I was we were I was working out with a buddy in the morning uh, and he works over at our gym and he asked the question, he goes, How do you prove the Bible? And my buddy mm-hmm. brought up and he said, Well, you know, you look at all the prophecies and this is evidence. This is proof that the Bible is true because it's impossible for all these evidences for all these prophecies to be mm-hmm. fulfilled. And I said, I actually don't, I don't think the prophecies matter. I, I think they're so important. But the only reason why we do apologetics, apologetics is for the believer to believe more. I've never won an apologetic argument where the non-believer at the end of it goes, you're right. I'm convinced. Yep. I yeah. want to be a yeah, Christian, yeah. which shows that faith is something the Holy Spirit does in us. Yes. Yeah. It's not about me proving a point because I've won many arguments and never seen somebody come to Christ in a true way yeah. because I won an argument. Yeah. But the reason why I believe and the reason why I believe scripture is true, and this is why I use the key illustri- illustration, when I look at the world around me, even when I have those doubts, I looked at Sunday or the, the, the revival. revival. There were some amazing things that went on, but my brain immediately went to, I know some of that can be explained either through psychosomatic, yep. through uh, group mentality. There's all kinds of things. Yes. But there's one thing that psychosomatic group mentality actually doesn't account for. And this is the part for me where doubt has actually helped bring greater structure to my faith because now when I know it, instead of doubt, rocking me, which when I was first was a Christian, I thought doubt meant the end of my faith. Right. That can be dangerous. Because I thought that's what doubt was. Instead of my brain being a critical thinker that God created. And now all of a sudden I look back and I go, wait a second. Here's what I know about the world. The world is broken. Mm -hmm. It is. And nobody would deny that. I think I can also prove that even though science has gotten better and we've gotten better technology and we got greater. I mean, think about the promise of social media and the internet originally was life is going to get easier. It's gotten harder. Yeah. Yeah. Social media and technology did not make the world easier. It made it much more difficult, more demanding on our time. We're less connected than ever before. I look at the world around us and I see all the tragedies and I see the things that go around. And you know what makes me go, this makes sense. It's not because I've read humanism or philosophy. It's that I look at what the story of scripture tells me about the world. 
and the hope that comes in Jesus. And I look at the lives transformed in Jesus. And that's, that's what, for me, that's where my faith comes in, but that's also where my belief comes in. The evidence is not scientific because that's the problem with science. The Bible is not a science book. Right. And so, and I'm, I have no problem with six day creationist people who believe that the first two chapters of the Bible are literal and that they're meant to be. I think that's wonderful. But my faith, it doesn't rest on whether or not the first two chapters of the Bible are literal yeah. or whether or not it's trying to God trying to convey something yeah. deeper. Right. They explain something about the world that science and philosophy cannot explain. Yeah. And Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the person of Jesus, for me, offers hope for me in a way and shows a kingship because let's think about what every it's so funny every time somebody goes oh this is what an ultimate ultimate humanity looks like yeah jesus already showed that why are you just coming to the party <laughs> right like that we're so amazed like oh my gosh we're called to be selfless and now we all have all these rich people who are giving away their money and we're blown away like that's how it's supposed to be yeah jesus kind of said that two thousand yeah. years ago and demonstrated that but it's there's this thing within humanity we almost feel like we have to get there ourselves Yes. Because it's too easy. It's too easy to just put our faith and go, oh, maybe that Jesus guy was right. And the resurrection, something actually happened. And this is going back to my buddy N.T. Wright, who at some point, I hope I get to have a conversation with him. His whole point is, is that the one thing you cannot deny about the resurrection is that something happened. Yeah. It transformed the world. The world has never been the same. That's, that is the only argument. Now, people will argue whether or not it was literal or not. Well, if it wasn't, then what happened? And if the resurrection is true, and if, then Jesus is king, and if Jesus is king, then the world and the kingdom he wanted to set up must be true. That's what I base my faith on. It's not based upon how much proof I can prove that the Bible is historically accurate, though I believe it is. It's also not about whether or not, uh, you know, uh, can, I, can I find and prove every historical fact in the scriptures, or what do we do with the messiness of scripture? That's not what secures my belief. Bless you. And, but then here's the other part, and I want to end with this. I think that part of the reason why God has called the church to be a place of tov, to do this thing of belonging and believing and then becoming, is that what if the first step for someone, them, for someone to believe is that the way they encounter God is by how we love and live out the way Jesus impacts our life. Mm. I mean, yeah. I think about you, Jaden. You said it. You you went to, you were part of a theater group that was part of here. And we'll say it was Powerhouse Theater. God God did some amazing things. Brought the beginning of Powerhouse Theater. There were so many people who were coming, but it wasn't a ministry. Mm. And it was interesting. It's once it became a ministry, that's when sometimes the church gets its hands on stuff. That's when things get ruined. <laughs> um, but you had an encounter. Yeah. And you had an encounter because there were Christians acting like Christians are supposed to be. Absolutely. And we see this over and over again. Yeah. So, but what if one of the other ways in which God wants to prove, not prove, but give us that evidence of our faith is by the ways that he's been faithful in our lives. Amen. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly, I love when you said about like, I don't think that the prophecies are where we should be focusing. And I was like, I was thinking of one of my favorite worship songs right now. It says, um, my testimony is the power of prophecy. If he's done it before, he can do it again. Yeah. And my favorite Christianese word is providence. And it was explained to me like God's fingerprints all over my life. The way that I have, a, a, I, that I'm a living testimony of how I live my life, how I walk out my faith. I love it that you referenced James when it's like, show me a faith without deeds. Show me it because it's a dead one. 
and the way I'm a living testimony, but also where have I been? What have I personally seen the evidence of? Here's the Bible that shows me all the things that I can back up. Yeah, but where have I been? Mm -hmm. That's so much more real to me. And to share it with someone else. Yeah. And and think about had you not made that phone call because your son yeah. wanted to know, wanted to go to church. Like I look at my the providence in my life. We moved, I moved about every two years as a kid. We yeah. lived in, I was born in San Diego, moved to Wisconsin for two years, came back to San Diego, then moved to Maine for two years, then came back to San Diego. And I ended up at Emerald Junior High where I met Don Kendrick. Yeah. And had anything shifted in those moments, could God have still gotten a hold of me? Absolutely. But those are things that look like God was pursuing me. This is where in Calvinism, I kind of like, I think it was Rick Warren said it this way. um, You have Calvinism or Arminianism. I evangelize like I'm I'm an Arminian Mm -hmm. and I worship like I'm a Calvinist. In other words, what it means by that is I evangelize as if God is working in everybody and wants everyone to be saved. And it's not just the elect. But I worship as if, oh, my God, I cannot believe you chose me. I was chosen. Yeah. I actually really like that. Yeah. Like, isn't that a beautiful sentiment? And that's how like we should that. approach it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? What are what are some final evidence? What are some things for you that remind you that your faith is tangible, that it's something that it's not just a faith, that it's feelings. It's because you've seen God move. It's reminders. It's that that key in the pocket where you're like, oh, sounds like a key. Yeah. I know keys go in the pocket. Kind of the same thing. I think, oh, go ahead. I think I mostly, I love scripture and studying it and seeing it. I also have a nursing background and grew up, I guess, loving science. And I just love seeing the two come together um, in that aspect. But I also love seeing scripture come together in my own life Mm -hmm. and comparing the two. And I don't know, just living out devotionals, seeing things that God is doing in my own life that he's done back in Genesis. Like what, how is it still relevant? All of that just adds, I guess, to my thought that I am a small piece in a huge picture Yeah, um, that I get to be a part of and how cool it is and how the smallest details way back 2000 years ago are playing out in my life today. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love that. So God's hand. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see the divinity in design. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I you actually took a lot of my points that yes. which is I know I I don't even need to No, it wasn't. I'm just, I'm just really thankful I don't have to I don't have to do this, but I don't know. It it's for me it's and it is it's those um I don't know something that spoke out is seeing it in other people's lives as well. Yeah. Um someone's autobiography can do more ministry than the Bible sometimes. Like to a, a first time hearer, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, because well, yeah, if you're not a Christian, the Bible doesn't, you don't believe no, the Bible. You yeah, can't exactly. use scripture to yeah, exactly. validate scripture. And so, to a non believer, yeah. To, right. To see the change and to also have felt so small by it, right? To see the change in the world. What's moving in Beijing right now? What's moving in Ikados? What's moving to see that it takes me out of myself, it takes me out of my box. It takes me out of the world sometimes. I look up at the stars, but God breathed those. So sometimes it's it's the evidence of, for me, it's just that, I don't know, it's just bigger than I am. Well, so here's the thing. If I could leave with one last thing for everybody to think about is, if you were there on Sunday, awesome. And I hope you grabbed one of the skeleton keys, mm. just as a reminder, one, that you belong, because every key belongs somewhere. Um, but also, 
that there is evidence and that faith is just not wishful thinking. It's also not a fool's errand. It's also not for the ignorant or for the for those who are unintelligent. No, it's possible to have a very intelligent-based faith, one that's rooted in, in reason and understanding, but it's still faith nonetheless because we don't know for sure. Yeah. And that's why it's called faith. Um, I hope you come next week. We're going to talk about the coming. And we're going to see this beautiful interchange, This how these three things lead. And when you actually move into that belonging, believing, and becoming, and they fuel, they feed into each other to create something beautiful in the life of the church. But also, what does it mean for us to bring Tov in the world? Because I think I think God is, has, has been and continues. For 150 years, God's been working in Zion's life. But I think right now we're in an interesting season for Zion. And uh, I'm excited to see what God wants to do. Other point of celebration, you had 150 some odd people at Z 156 Kids. kids and leaders. It is a record for the kids ministry in the last five years that we've been using the, the system that we use. That's amazing. It's a record um, last night. It's and so, uh, hey, great. if you're listening to this, do us a favor. We'd love a comment. If you, if you think about it, write something down, share it with a friend. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Megan. I'm Jaden. This is the Breakthrough Breakdown, and uh, hopefully you'll join us next week. We love you, Bob Goff. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they continue as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.